0: Audio. I'm Carson Cestuley. My guest on the pod today is Mr. Bradley Woodrum. If you're familiar with that name, it's possibly because you've seen his writing at Fangraphs or other sites like Cup Stats or d rays Bay, or more likely that you've seen one of his award-winning short films exploring important concepts in sabermetrics, like FIP, left-on-base percentage, or the other one he did about left-on-base percentage. In what follows, I seek to understand exactly how Mr. Woodrum has gotten to where he is today. We discuss his beginnings at Cub Stats, his work beyond that with D Ray's Bay and Fangraphs, his education, which includes a master's degree in economics, and what he hopes to achieve in his writing henceforth. If you think we neglected to make at least one that's-what-she-said joke, then you're gravely mistaken. All this exciting content and so much more, on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. The, uh, the introduction has told you, uh, but I'm willing to concur that the guest today is Bradley Woodrum, uh, calling us from uh, the internet, the nebulous, uh, a nebulous, unnamed space on the internet. Uh, he writes for Fangraphs in addition to uh, Ray's Bay and CubStats. His name is Bradley Woodrum. Brad, how are you today?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you very much, Carson.
0: Yeah, you're welcome, of course. Um, and, uh, Brad, we, we were just, uh, talking briefly before we got on here, and, uh, not to make you nervous or, or anything, but a lot of really important people have been on Fangraphs Audio.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and it did make me nervous.
0: Good. Good. That's, um, I like to do that before, just so we know <laughs> whose show this is. Cause good. that's <laughs> essential to knowing this. Uh, Brad, uh, you're here, uh, because I'm curious about you and because my guess is uh, that some of our uh, readers/ listeners will be curious about you too um, one of the things if I may be if I may submit this uh, one of the things that sabermetric writing sometimes suffers from is um, well is, is actually a lack of writing um, <laughs> but, I mean the writing is there but it's uh, totally there for um, utilitarian, Purposes. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's there only to get the information across. Whereas, um, you seem to be a person who's very concerned um, or or very excited by the notion that um, writing is another thing on its own. So on the one hand, uh, we might have uh, you know particular insights about uh, Randy Wells. On the other hand, uh, we might want to phrase those in such a way as um, as to make it palatable too. And this seems Mm -hmm. to be something. Uh, whether it's through the writing you've done in fan graphs, uh, whether it's through the pretty amazing sabermetric videos you've done, uh, and and most recently through uh, a sort of noir piece, a (laughs) noir fiction piece you've done on the, not Todd Helton himself, but Todd Helton's goatee, a Mm -hmm. a living, breathing thing. Yes. Um, You seem to be interested in this. And so I guess what what the plan is here, among other things we'll be doing, is trying to find out... um, where this interest comes from, mm-hmm. um, you know, the degree to which you're you're happy, you know, about the things you've done so far, and and then, um, you know, beyond that, what you'd like to do, or you know, what, mm-hmm. what your sort of goals are. Um, so let's start, I guess, figuring out with where you started writing. I believe that was at Cubstats, mm-hmm. uh, maybe Cubstats.blogspot.com. But tell us, uh, bring us, bring us there, uh, Brad.
1: Well, basically, uh, as an undergrad in college, I was getting my economics degree, and I had a history minor at the time, or uh, a minor in history, excuse me, and I realized shortly into that that the econ degree, though it armed me with so many, you know, skills and talents and, and abilities to analyze things, it really lacked in some of the more rhetorical aspects. I I, I could figure something out, but I couldn't explain it to my girlfriend or something like that. And that that was frustrating to me. And so one of the things I actually found very interesting was uh, exploring the study of English more. And so I actually ended up getting a double major. I switched my minor to a major in English. And I ended up You know, committing myself to learning not just how to analyze things from an objective analytic perspective, but to also bring in sort of the art of it and and allow yourself to talk about it a little bit better. I mean, you look at the history of sabermetrics, the founding father is largely considered Bill James, who himself, I believe, would admit he's more of a writer than he is a scientist. And the power that he had came from his ability to communicate effectively, not necessarily wow people with amazing graphs and projections and stuff like that, but just to think analytically and to talk clearly, and that's something I try to bring to it, and I also try to bring a little bit of fun to it, because uh, anybody who has done a Google image search of my name will realize I am not a normal person. (laughs) I like to be a little bit different, and so I like to have fun while I'm doing it as well.
0: So uh, were there any particular authors that you came across uh, as an undergraduate that were uh, exciting for you, or that you think maybe uh, informed the voice that you that you've developed?
1: I think that uh, the the lack of coming across writers that really excited me with their voice um, kind of encouraged me to get into writing, especially in in the area of the Cubs. That's why I started Cubs. Stats. I started it as a, a graduate student because, as far as Cubs blogs go, there's only a couple of really good ones out there, and even there, there's I don't know, there, there's still kind of a lack of of deep an- analysis is more of just people who understand Sabermetrics who are dying on the inside because they're Cubs fans. Uh, so I, that's what I wanted to bring to that. I think one of my strongest influences in the Sabermetric community was uh, RJ Anderson, who actually turned me on to, to Sabermetrics in the first place. And a lot of the articles that got me interested in it in the first place were articles that RJ was writing about that he didn't usually necessarily Use a lot of stats. He just he had a, a great way of talking about it. He he showed that he was a very logical person, and he did it while still keeping me entertained while I was reading it.
0: Right, and certainly uh, R. J. of course wrote for uh, Fangraphs. Wrote for D. Rays Bay. Uh, now mm-hmm. is currently at uh, Baseball Prospectus, um, who, as you know, as a member of Fangraphs, is our mortal enemy. <laughs> and, uh, we're we're required, uh, sort of like that scene from Anchorman, uh, when the different uh, uh, network news teams come together, we're required to have a ritual and sometimes very bloody mm-hmm. uh, street battle with them anytime we come across. Are you aware I of that? You, did David Appelman or Cameron explain that to you?
1: They uh, they gave me a hand grenade and they just pushed me into the group, so that's that's all I know.
0: Right, yeah. Well, for example, like down there in Chicago, I think maybe like Jay Jaffe lives down there or like I know Kevin Goldstein lives in DeKalb. Uh, so just mm-hmm. heads up on that. You're actually – Okay. that you've sworn <laughs> a blood oath. Um and, and RJ, I should say now, is also doing work uh, with the process report. And um, mm-hmm. I think they came out with kind of a pretty annual, if I'm not mistaken, this past year. Uh,
1: yes, I actually contributed and edited that annual.
0: Shocking. Not, <laughs> not that shocking, actually. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, um, yeah, But that, no, it's, it's interesting what you're saying about that and, and how you sort of uh, were satisfied with these things. And also good points about uh, Bill James, who I think uh, you're absolutely right. Um, in fact, one of my uh, the favorite books I've, I've probably ever read – and uh, um, I'm not, not really afraid to say that is um, a book called uh, How Bill James uh, Changed Our View of Baseball it's a mm-hmm. collection are you familiar with this one? no I'm not oh it's actually pretty exciting it's uh, it's put out uh, by Active Sports Sports they do a lot of baseball publishing anyway mm-hmm. um, but there are uh, essays in there by um, you know uh, Ron Chandler, Daryl Morey the GM for the, the Houston Rockets and uh, yeah. Rob and, uh James himself has something to say towards the end uh, but it also, you know, people go into sort of uh, depth about the degree to which, yeah, he's more of a thinker and writer, I guess, than a, than a stats nerd per se. Um, mm-hmm. So so you started Cubs, uh, Cubs Stats as a graduate student, and um, this, mm-hmm. is, uh, this is what, since two, 2009, is that right?
1: Yeah, we started it at the end of 2009. I, I met a, a guy in college who was equally interested in the Cubs and analytical thoughts, and his name is... Amazingly, Will Smith, but he's unfortunately white. He's a good friend of mine. Will, yeah. uh, he and I we we got together. We started this blog, Cub Stats, and really it was crazy. Shortly thereafter, D. Rays Bay asked me to start writing for them, and shortly thereafter, uh, Dave Cameron called me up and said, Hey, we'd like you to write for Fangraphs. And then he said, Hey, we're not interested. And then he called me back a little bit later and said, Hey, we're interested in you writing for Fangraphs. And and so I mean, it's been it's been really very much a whirlwind. I, I started writing about baseball probably about a year and a half ago, maybe.
0: Yeah, and here you are on FanGraphs Audio.
1: This is basically the pinnacle of my career. It's only downhill from here.
0: Oh, I can tell you that for sure. Yeah, you're not <laughs> going to be a happy person uh, after this. Um, the, uh, so you were studying when you – and so it seems like you're done with graduate school, am I correct?
1: Yes, I okay. was able to finish in a year and a half.
0: Damn. Oh, okay, and you were some uh, some sort of economics person there as well?
1: Yeah, I got my master's degree in economics. Uh, I still was sort of exploring what I wanted to do. I didn't know if I wanted to work for the Fed, actually like work in economics. Um, but it turned out uh, I got totally blessed in how I'm, I'm writing freelance uh, majority of my time, and I'm also editing uh, economics textbooks, uh, undergraduate textbooks for economics through McGraw-Hill.
0: Okay, now let me ask you about the economics study first. We, we can come back to the writing very briefly. But um, mm-hmm. now, at, a, at the master's, uh, at the master's level in economics, is that uh, is this the thing where you're, um, where you're, uh, picking a particular uh, su- subfield or subgenre of economics, or is it still sort of a, a general study of the field of the the field? Well,
1: I imagine every program is a little bit different. Uh, my program was what they called a heterodox program, where they They do keep it very general and they, they not only just keep it general in terms of what you're, what specific classes you're taking, they also keep it general in the, uh, the fields that you, or the perspectives you study. So I studied a little bit of free market, a little bit of traditional, uh, neoclassical economics, a little bit of neo-Keynesian economics. So I, I'm, I consider myself a, a person with basic knowledge of all forms of economics, but no real maybe deep knowledge of any one specific Perspective.
0: Now, I hear you say neo, neo this or neo that. Is there anything, are there any before the neos or before the actually neo Keynesian and then there's Keynesian? Yeah. Is there, is there such thing as like proto Keynesian? Does that exist? Uh,
1: not until I invent it in a little bit. I have been uh, on my personal blog, Homebody and Woman or Homebody Abroad, I've been writing a false history of economics. Um, I'm really hoping someday students will stumble on it and actually put some of these answers on questions and professors will look it up and start to rewrite history because they don't know any better. Uh, but no, there is no proto-Keynesian as of yet.
0: So, but you're going to do, um, well, will I, because um, I just said it out loud, do I get like a, like a TM or something like that or?
1: No, I'm totally stealing that idea. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Um, just as an aside, if you, uh, I think it'd be funny if you talked. We're talking about currencies, and you refer to the badonkadonk as a as a foreign currency. Will you do that too?
1: Uh, I, I will try to slip that in somewhere. Sure.
0: Yeah, that's what she said. Um, the um, okay, so so you started writing about the Cubs. Now, um, are you a Cubs fan? Is that what I'm being led to believe?
1: Uh, Yes, as my tagline on Fangraph says, it says something to the the degree of I was unfortunately born a Cubs fan but fortuitously raised a Rays fan. Uh Uh, I was born in, in Indiana and raised in Florida, so my family grew up rooting for the Cubs. Nobody really followed it very seriously, but around the time I got in high school, I started getting interested in baseball a bit more. Uh, so much so that my senior year I went to the baseball coach and asked if I could join and he said son you're just too old You don't think you're gonna make it yeah and so I didn't I didn't join the baseball team which is sad I was on the football team but uh you know I, I grew up rooting for the Cubs and I, I I loved them a lot and they just seemed like the smartest team on earth in the early 2000s and uh then I got involved I started rooting for the the Rays the Devil Rays back then yeah and uh It was around that time that I encountered RJ Anderson's work and I suddenly realized this team does not operate the way a typical baseball team operates and so I committed myself to understanding why they were so different and, uh, along the way they became incredibly successful and it was just, it was a phenomenal sort of, uh, collision of, of occurrences there.
0: So, so wait. You, did I hear you say the words that you were under the impression at one point, and, and this is a sort of your development as a baseball fan? You thought the Cubs were were very well run. It sounds like what you are saying.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're unaware of the the finer things of baseball, maybe the 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 way the contracts and the system work, the way you know players are really productive. I back then, you know, I was I was living off of batting average, RBIs, and home runs, and steals, and and I didn't really know anything about any more advanced statistics and so in 2003-ish when you're when the Cubs are you know steps away from the World Series it seems like they're a great team because they're they have the results you know but ultimately it comes down to being something that RJ talks a lot about it and that's the process and they have a, a poor process they have a mediocre process in Chicago and as a result they have inconsistent results and so that's one of the things that we see year after year they have a playoff season here and there, but then they fall back and they fall really far back, and then they, you know, they they have the pulse of you know somebody who's on cocaine. Whereas the the Rays or the, the Red Sox, the Yankees, they're comp- consistently competitive teams because they're more analytical in their approach.
0: Right now, you were uh, all right. So so we're talking about. Now have you ever actually met R. J. Anderson?
1: No. Well, I don't believe he's a real person.
0: Okay, yeah. So that's that's what I was getting at, and I've heard a couple of rumors about him. Uh, one is that he's actually a a, a robotronic uh, being, like a cyborg sort.
1: That's what I figured the R stood for. Yes.
0: Right, and I've also um, there are rumors that he is uh, he's like a like a sixty year old man too. Really? Yeah. I mean, th- those are just, just some rumors that are floating around on the the hinter hinter parts of the internet.
1: That's very fascinating. I wonder if he's maybe a sixty-year-old robot, but I was also under the impression that maybe Dave Allen invented him, which would explain why he went to Baseball Prospectus because he's turning on his master. But I don't know; it's hard to tell.
0: Right, and we should say Dave Allen, the master of the, the heat map uh, at hmm Just to be clear about which Dave Allen we're talking about. Um, okay, so you went, uh, so you were running a Cup Stats, and then how did it work? Uh, how did you get involved with the, um, the gentleman? Um, I think primarily, gentlemen. I'm not being sexist on purpose. Um, <laughs> I'm just totally naturally sexist.
1: R.J. could be a woman. We don't know. We
0: don't know that. In fact, there is, I believe, a British uh, mystery writer, children's book writer named R.J. Anderson.
1: That's right. They had a, a Twitter sort of mix-up.
0: Right. The most hilarious sort of Twitter mix-up you could have. <laughs> I think we can all agree. But you, so you, so how did that, uh, how did that work out? You were already interested in the. In the Rays, was that a situation where you reached out to them, or they you, or...?
1: Uh, with DeRays Bay?
0: Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I actually, uh, I had just one day Googled Rays Blog or something, because I decided that I was going to start rooting for a, a team in, in my home state, Florida, and uh, I decided on the Rays because they had just traded for Joe Borowski, who I liked as a Chicago Cub, right. and I, I searched for Rays blogs, and I, I came across Rays Bay, and I actually started reading it for about a year, and it was only after about a year of reading it consistently that I actually finally joined the community and started commenting, and, and uh, I made them aware of a few of the things that I was making on Google Docs that I was sharing publicly, and uh, like an ex-Babbit calculator, Chris Dutton's as expatic calculator and eventually they got to know me and they uh, invited me to to come and write for them after rj and tommy and a lot of other guys had had moved on to paying gigs right. um and so i i i uh, signed up then and it's it's been great exposure there and it's been a very interesting community they they seem to love me so much they make fun of me mercilessly about my english degree and i can only assume that as the The friendly, uh, jiving of good chums that I've never met.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, you uh, keep—I (laughs) mean—persist in that uh, because if it makes it easier for you, I guess.
1: I can believe nothing else.
0: Right. Now, so when did um, when did you decide that it was okay, uh, or that you wanted to start writing um, strange things? Um, I mean, uh, is that how Cup sets? I mean, was anything like that? Um, ever ever appearing at Cup Stats or was that something that you you started with uh, at D Rays Bay? Um, I mean, and by strange things, of course. I mean, you can mean a lot of things, but things where it's very clearly that you're that you're um, be- beyond the facts of baseball. You're trying to mm-hmm. uh, very much amuse yourself um, solely so- solely with through the words you're writing.
1: Well, I'm assuming you're. D- Discussing my investigative reporting that I have done on occasion most recently with regards to Todd Helton's goatee um, I have been doing that in the past for other sites uh, with cub stats. I once found out who had kidnapped Jim Henry and That proved to be a, a very successful endeavor um, and then with the website D Bay I uh, Found out who Andrew Friedman really was he's actually a robot in the middle of Tropicana field that not many people would realize. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've been doing investigative reporting like that for some time, and it is a passion of mine to, to bring a little bit of life to the cold numbers that we see. Um, people, they see the game, they watch the game, but they don't realize how many aliens or robots are behind the scene, and I try to bring that out and, and let the viewers really become a part of the experience. Um,
0: the filmmaker Werner Herzog, are you familiar with him? No. Okay, well, you're about to be. The filmmaker no. Werner Herzog uh, is a German man. Uh, he's written a couple. Uh, well, he's written a number of movies. He also has done quite a few mm-hmm. documentaries. <laughs> Probably the most famous of the recent documentaries is one nope. entitled. What do you say? Why are you still saying that?
1: Oh, I'm just. I don't. I don't believe you. But go on.
0: No, no. I'm saying he's a real person and he makes documentaries. No. no. Uh, go on. What do you say? He wrote. He wrote a docu. He did a documentary called Grizzly Man. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that?
1: It, unless it was about me, I don't.
0: This is this is really this is really getting difficult. So <laughs> let me tell you the truth. So okay, so okay. so uh, Werner Herzog uh, he done quite a number of films. He did some uh, uh, with another with a, 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 quite a few films with a German actor who's also a crazy person named Klaus Kinski. Um, but here's why I bring him up. Um, um, he
1: or has, make him up, yes.
0: Okay, either way. Uh, Werner Herzog, um, in his documentaries, they, uh, I think he's been asked, or he's maybe volunteered this information, to say that uh, not uh, necessarily all of the things that happen in what he calls documentaries uh, are actually um, facts. He doesn't. He's. They're not all always facts, mm. right? And tr- uh, to describe this uh, phenomenon, he has uh, invented a term called ecstatic truth, right? He says. Uh, mm. he Lies. Says, yeah. Well, inter- hey, be careful. Easy, friend. Uh, he says that, no, these are, of course, these are not lies. These are things that uh, that are true, or at least that uh, should be true um, in, in a sort of larger sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this concept of ecstatic truth, it seems um, like this might be something that appeals to you. So I'm wondering if you could, because I'm uh, I don't know, not prepared to do it or just to, um, uh, it would entertain me to hear you uh, say it out loud. How do you think that a term like ecstatic truth, which we might define as, um, not lies, no, but, uh, that a higher truth, uh, how that might apply to, to some of your work? Uh,
1: well, I guess higher truth in that my writing is probably more true than anybody else's ever has been. I would say I agree. Um, my writing is just, it's full of winning in general. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but seriously, uh, I, I, I do like the idea of, of bringing in a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of fun into baseball writing, because I mean that's what I really like about NotGrass is it is a site that celebrates some of the more ridiculous things that we don't talk about. The the television shows it shows a world of baseball that is you know kind of clean cut and American and whatever, but you know like books like the the bullpen Gospels um, by Dirk Hayhurst, which everyone in the the Rays world has been crazy about because he just got signed by the Rays. Um, it gives a real clear image of what it's like underneath the media, underneath the, the outward appearance of baseball. And it is just a bunch of dudes, you know, goofing around and, and, you know, working, basically. And so, I don't know, to a degree we sort of we romanticize too much about it, and so I like to make fun of that concept. I like to go beyond the romantization or whatever and just, you know, get ridiculous with it.
0: You know, it's interesting you bring this up. Um, uh I know that uh, b- both my wife and I have had um, some exposure to the academic world. And, and, mm-hmm. and by academic, I mean, I guess in this case, beyond uh, you know m- merely undergraduate studies. It sounds like you have too. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that one thing that's sort of always um, struck me as odd when I was studying and just struck me as, as odd from uh, my wife's academic pursuits too is the pains that academics um, take to um, to represent their their work as being very serious, generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm I'm generalizing, you know, for the yeah. sake of um, uh, of because uh, t- to misrepresent reality is why I'm doing that. Uh, but but or also the sake of sort of a cleanness of thought. Um, and it's it's it strikes me as that like they take such great pains because really, um, what any sort of academic is doing, I mean, especially in the humanities, is is a sort of glorified play, mm-hmm. um, and I wonder if if the if this is maybe a case that would also be um, uh, something that, that would also be true of baseball too, right? It was, you're right, like it is. I mean, it is it is a game, um, and yet so many uh, baseball writers seem dedicated to, um, I guess you know, extracting from it. Um, I guess kind of tedious and sometimes sort of uh, heavy-handed moral lessons, and then additionally, Mm. you know, like the sabermetric writing about it. While very interesting to me, uh, is also certainly guilty of um, of making it seem like work. Um, I wonder, do do you think it comes from an anxiety about uh, about it not being serious enough, or do you think it's uh, something else?
1: I think there's uh, definitely two elements in play there. There's one where you have people who approach the narrative of baseball they they look at it as a story as a as a part of the american pastime and and you know these these writers aren't bad writers these are these are typical writers these are good writers and there are even some sabermetricians who approach it like this and they're always trying to draw out these deeper truths because to them baseball is in many ways a symbolic Thing and it, i mean it does it plays a legitimate symbolic role in a lot of people's lives and sports in general do we romanticize it to a degree because it is kind of romantic and exciting there's thousands of people cheering so there's a, there's elements of that that are accurate but they're also uh kind of narrow focused because when you read something like the bullpen gospels where you see these guys you know they they have pretty rough lives even though they're living the the dream out in the minor leagues essentially they're they're Playing a sport for a living, but they still have very difficult living circumstances. You have, you know, there's sort of a, a dose of reality that comes with that, and you realize that this is, it's a job. It's not just a sport. And so we we do sort of romanticize it a little bit in that realm, but also in the the more sabermetric realm, we I feel like we we suck some of the life out of our writing occasionally. Not all the time, but a lot of times when we feel like we need to to gain a sense of legitimacy, I guess. We, we know our audience may be doubtful of us because we're just some guy on the internet writing on a blog. But we end up losing a little bit of that life in the writing that we could otherwise use to help us communicate effectively. And, I mean, I, I don't want to consider myself like an apostle of sabermetrics, although I do really feel like nothing enhances the gaming experience, watching a game or or playing in a baseball game, than understanding the underlying principles and mathematics behind it. I really feel like that enhances a viewing experience so much. Like, it made me such a better fan. My blood pressure went down, my cigarettes taste better, everything's much more wonderful now. <laughs> so, I mean, I really think sabermetrics helps, and I think that if we brought a little bit more of I don't know. It's, it, if we brought more of a rhetorical approach, rhetorical in the classical sense, meaning like if we thought about the way we write rather than just trying to sound official and scientific, then we might actually find ourselves with even a bigger community to discuss these things with.
0: Right. right. Now, now, let's get to to some of your writing that uh, has appeared. Um, well, let's actually let's uh, let's talk about the videos because the videos are crazy. <laughs> um, uh, you have uh, you've introduced. Um, a couple of concepts now. Um, I believe FIP is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, left on base percentage, and then I think maybe there was at least one more left on base percentage video
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, because I think it included maybe some um, some edits, uh, courtesy of, of Tango Tiger. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's also I believe uh, in, uh, um, a BABIP uh, video. Mm-hmm. Am I am, am I close to? I mean, am I have I said them all? Uh,
1: I think you've said the majority of them. I have a couple other ones that are just kind of silly ones. Uh, but I know I have coming out the pipe, hopefully very soon, is a, uh, little bit of a, kind of a, uh, I guess we could call it a music video, uh, about Woba. Okay. Or Woba. I don't know. How do you say it?
0: Well, I would say Woba. but uh, Woba? Yeah, but you follow your bliss, Brad. I like Woba. Okay. So, yeah. what, um... How did the videos start, and uh, where do you I, – I guess one question is, like, where did you get those skills, and what skills are those, because I actually don't even understand.
1: <laughs> okay, well, um, the, uh, the videos – there was something I wanted to do for a long time, because one of the things that I feel like we're lacking in terms of making the topic of sabermetrics more approachable is something for people who aren't inclined to read lots of – you words, know, words, yeah, words. lots of words, yeah. and so I, I wanted to, yeah. I wanted to show it in something that was simplistic and something that would be approachable to a lot of people, and so uh, whether those videos have succeeded in that, uh, it's debatable. Uh, I always try to think of my father as a target audience because he is. He's a commercial artist, and so he's not inclined to numbers. He really hates numbers in general. And so, if I try to explain something about statistics, something like that, I know he'll get upset, or he'll, you know, he'll he'll just kind of zone out, or he won't be able to follow. But if I show him something in pictures and just sort of narrate it, he would he would get it because he's an artist. He likes the visuals, and uh, he's actually said of these videos that they're. It was the most fun he's ever had not understanding something. So well, you know whether they're working or not is kind of debatable. But I just wanted to make something that was a little bit simplistic and and could still maybe convey some of the basic concepts that are very important in uh, in the, the, the field of baseball. And so I put actually my best uh, I guess you could say paint skills to the test. Yeah. I've drawn everything on these videos by hand in a in actually GIMP. It's a free version of Photoshop essentially and it you know I I come to bed and my hand is just so sore and, and in pain my wrist is popping and my wife is like what, yeah, what's going you, on why do that you, do you have an under yeah.
0: claw are you familiar with
1: that condition I'm not familiar with that oh, is that when Google your hand that. turns all red huh? Google
0: that after we get off this uh, the phone here because all, you don't want that avoid that
1: it doesn't sound good no all I know is that my hand gets like red bed sores from sitting on the mouse pad while I'm doing these videos. So anyway, they're, they're a lot of work. I'm trying to get my father to send me a like a graphic pen or whatever that'll help me draw them a little bit faster. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'd, so I I'd deliberately make them look like they're drawn by a four-year-old or whatever because I want them to be, I want to show that it's, you know, I don't want it to be something fancy. I want it to be something that's simple and, you know, something a four-year-old could see and at least enjoy if not understand.
0: Right. Yeah. And uh, and those are drawn by, I think those can be seen well, a number of places on the internet, but your uh, the YouTube you account uh, account you use, I believe, is a homebody with a laptop. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Okay, homebody with a laptop. They're also available at uh, D Rays Bay and uh, I think at Knockgraphs We've um, we've skillfully embedded mm. all of them into. <laughs> um, now, with regard to your uh, to your sort of more analytically oriented writing, I think you've done now. It seems as though you're sort of on a weekly schedule at Fangraphs. Yeah. Um. Uh, I want to here this is a this will be sort of the controversial part of the um, of the interview Uh Uh, your four interviews have sorry your four pieces they've Uh all concerned either a cub or a or a ray or or a recently departed ray and Mm -hmm. that for me brings up uh, something um, which is you are a person who writes about a couple teams that you like Um, do you think that a you could possibly have as much fun writing about a team that you're not sort of like uh, intimately acquainted with?
1: Um Well, you know, one of the reasons I've done on those first four articles, the Rays and the Cubs, is I wanted to, especially early on, focus on things that I knew. I didn't want to write something that would have me embarrassed about it a week later. And so I did focus on guys who I follow a little bit more closely. And uh, one of them was about uh, Rafael Soriano, who's with the the Yankees. And and so in the future, I do plan on sort of branching out and discussing teams that I, uh, don't follow as closely because in all honesty, I roll, I watch a lot of baseball. I've got a MLB TV account an MILB TV account that, uh, uh, that i just, I watch four games at once constantly. And so I'm actually, I'm pretty well acquainted with a lot of different teams around the league, but at the same time, I just wanted to be, you know, <laughs> better safe than sorry, those first articles. And in general, I think I actually can have fun, maybe not as much fun because I'm not as invested, but I can still have fun covering a team that, know isn't necessarily my favorite because basically by understanding more about the game I'm able to see little bits of nuance throughout it like all throughout the game and I'm able to see little things that are constantly happening that it didn't before just years ago I had no idea what was going on behind the scenes and so that that brings a greater richness to the game and I I see sub storylines that not even the announcers even the players are aware of. Maybe it's you know an issue of a player regressing or maybe a player progressing. It's hard to tell, you know. So you you get to follow these and you get to see what's happening with them.
0: Now, um, so far as uh, uh, oh yeah, uh, interesting thing you said there is uh, you're saying you're watching a number of games simultaneously. Um, mm-hmm. You may or may not know, Mr. Woodrum, that um, one thing that I'm particularly excited about is um, is the sort of the I guess the aesthetic. Qualities of um, watching baseball games mm-hmm. um, for people who are maybe sabermetrically, sabermetrically oriented, but still, uh, you know, um, also, you know, enjoy just how a baseball game looks. Um, yeah. And when I write the one night only column uh, columns at um at the site, I guess what I'm trying to anticipate is what might be most interesting to someone with a sabermetric background and also with, you know, just generally. Um, enjoys watching a good game. I'm curious, mm-hmm. uh, w- what for you, uh, besides the sort of allegiance you might feel to the Cubs and Rays, what for you um, is, the, is the sort of thing that's going to draw you to a game or that you find most satisfying about watching a game?
1: One of the interesting things is, because I'm in Chicago, I, I sort of I watch the Rays uh playing in different stadiums and I get to sort of tune into their different broadcasts and stuff, is I, I get to encounter a lot of away teams announcing crews, and that tends to be a really big deciding factor of which feed I'm going to watch, uh, especially if I'm watching other teams that aren't the Rays, because I don't have a particular allegiance to any one of the teams, maybe. I, I sort of shop around and see which ones are most bearable to listen to, because I mean one of the things that drives me crazy is when you get a former manager a former player on the on the uh, speaker who who just they base everything out of their own personal experiences it really and 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 they they talk with authority they I mean, they have the authority of however many seasons they were in the league or whatever, but they still have that limited perspective of what they encountered. And sometimes they just say things that are just flat out wrong. And I hate it. Like when they're, especially they're calling out pitches that are obviously incorrect because I'm watching the game on pitch FX too. And it's just that kind of stuff drives me crazy. But one of the things I'm very interested in is finding out what other fans think about their own broadcasts. Uh, because I know personally, I can't, I can't really stand, uh, I don't, I don't want to get myself endangered up here in chicago but i can't stand bob Mm Brenly. he drives me crazy he's a former manager who who feels like he's always inside every manager's head because he's been in that position granted he knows a lot about this game and he knows a lot of things that i don't know but at the same time he doesn't know everything and he he really drives me crazy he's like fingernails on a chalkboard to me Mm -hmm. and and there are other other announcers out there that sort of
0: but correct me if i'm wrong actually len casper is pretty good isn't he
1: Len Casper, I really like Len Casper. I wish he was paired with somebody different, um, because he, I can, I, you can hear him every now and then slipping in slightly sabermetric ideas into what he's talking about. And, and it's like, yeah, this is a guy who gets it. I would love to hear more of him. And unfortunately, he's kind of paired with, uh, I don't know, like baseball's good old boy or something. <laughs> he's like a defender of the old ways or something.
0: Now, here's, here's a question. Um, now I don't know, um, about the sort of various lives of your family, and I don't purport to, but mm-hmm. um, would you consider trading one of your grandfathers for Vince Scully? Like if uh, I just told you Vince Scully could be your grandfather, would you would you accept that? that trade? I'm not
1: sure who Vince Scully is.
0: Are you joking? Oh, man. Well, if you're watching games, you need to watch a Dodgers game and listen to the dulcet tones of Vince Scully's voice. Um,
1: oh, so he's one of the announcers with the Dodgers? Yeah,
0: he, he has been since they were in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Brad, you're, you're this is going to be uh this is an education for you right now. Uh-huh. I feel I feel lucky to be in a position to give you this gift to tell <laughs> you to listen to Vince Scully.
1: Well, thank you very much. I think I've probably heard him. I would recognize his voice. Yeah. But uh, I wouldn't know his name.
0: Oh, yeah, you need to uh, get thee to a to an mlb.tv. <laughs> um, Definitely, I will. I will do that. Shakespeare famously said, um, Yeah, that's interesting though. Um the 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 sort of quality of the broadcast team. Um and in fact, um I think we, we've probably seen some improvement in the um, in the Rays broadcast this year. Uh, yeah,
1: actually, I noticed that in your one of your recent one night only posts about uh, the addition of a center field camera and Brian Anderson.
0: Right, and would you agree that those are both pluses?
1: Oh my goodness, it, you know it's hard to tell because last season they had Kevin Kennedy, who was uh, who frankly is an American hero. He apparently stopped a terrorist attack on a plane. During the season But at the same time He was also The same kind of fingernails On the chalkboard announcer So it's hard to tell Whether Brian Anderson Just seems so amazing By contrast Or if he actually Is the real deal Like it feels like He and Dwayne Satz Have a very good chemistry In the booth But at the same time Brian Anderson spent some time in the Rays system in their camp, getting to know how they operate, and so he really has kind of an insight that that sort of Tampa Bay perspective on the way they run things, and so it really feels like he might develop one of these days. I mean, he's a good prospect. He could develop into one of the top color analysts in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, he's a guy. He's a guy to watch.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. I think. I like his,
0: do you like his upside? Is that what you're saying?
1: He's a mover. That's what I'm saying.
0: Good. Now. uh before we destroy the pod, um, mm-hmm. which uh, has happened before, um, <laughs> I'm just curious as to what you see uh, as your goals or, you know, what is sort of exciting you for the future in uh, in what you're, you're able to do, or what you'd like to do?
1: Well, uh, one of the main things I'm working on now is uh, I'm, I'm continuing to uh, work on Saber Primer videos. I've got, as I was saying, Woba coming out the pipe. Uh, I'm still... One of the things I'm I'm struggling with is I know Tom Tango pronounces it woba, hmm. but I want to pronounce it woba and it, I just feel bad pronouncing it woba when like one of the fathers of the statistic pronounces it differently. Yeah.
0: How would you but, know, anyways, yeah, how would you, but sometimes you have to separate separate yourself from the father, right? I mean
1: yeah. I Finding the, Nemo.
0: Is that what does that mean?
1: What well, in the movie Finding Nemo, he's he separated from his father Marlin. And then he came. His father, Marlin, came across the ocean and rescued him. Oh,
0: uh, yeah. It's, unfortunately, I haven't seen that movie. What? Uh, well, okay. So I'll, listen, I'll take that. Is that? I mean, is that a movie worth watching? Would you say?
1: I cry literally every single time. But I'm a softie for uh, computer animated movies, which might explain my videos, um, kind of written by the child of a My mind, mind of a child. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I'm working on these videos and. Uh, uh, the next thing I'm also trying to work on and one of the things that I, I, lo- I love to sort of do and I use my economics degree I guess to a to a degree there uh, is I like to look at market inefficiencies and you know it's one of the things everybody in, in in sabermetrics has been trying to do is look at where's the next market inefficiency and stuff like that but one of the things that I'm really interested in and I don't want to give away too much so that somebody doesn't scoop me is the idea of uh, unexplored demographics where are there players in the world in the United States in basically uh, in areas that we may already be aware of, that we just we have athletes there that we don't realize are or can be baseball players. So I mean that's one of the things I'm uh, I'm excited about. I'm sort of exploring and, and working my way through. Uh, so you're,
0: uh, what you're saying is you're going to adopt children from foreign nations and then teach them how to play baseball. That's that's how I'm interpreting it.
1: You are uh, a phenomenal interpreter. That's essentially what I'm saying is that there's a huge un- unexplored inefficiency of. Uh, <laughs> no, of, I'm going to stop Of orphan stop children. Of or,
0: of yes. Of orphan children in uh, foreign countries.
1: <laughs> yes, foreign orphan children. And they could be playing baseball, and we, they don't even realize it. We don't realize it. That's just so terrible just to think about that. <laughs> oh, I know, yeah. But no, it, it, it essentially does boil down to something like that, where we have we have athletes uh, for instance in india who who play cricket which is very similar to baseball and uh, one of the things the rays have done l- lately that's really you know excited excited me about this to see clubs doing this is they've built uh, a a new academy they're building a new academy in brazil where it's not really known for their baseball players, but what they do have is a large Japanese population, and they do have Japanese baseball academies over there as well. And so one of the things is that here's this huge population of people who uh, do have at least a foothold of interest in the sport of baseball, and this is a, a huge place that they could be benefiting from, just you know the amount of people that are there, the the odds that just like 1% gets interested in it, it would be enough to to ben, maybe one or two major league quality players.
0: That's a dream. You're a dreamer. <laughs> um, and and, and uh, who's to say who's to say Brad uh, Woodrum that this entire um, interview hasn't been a dream?
1: I I have no one to say that yeah. it wasn't a dream.
0: That's a fact. Uh, but listen, I want to <laughs> thank you immediately uh, uh, for for joining us on Fairgraphs Audio and for uh, I guess helping. Um, helping I know certainly me understand what's gotten you to the place uh, you know you're at and and, um, I guess sort of what uh, what what uh, has motivated you to do the sort of work that you that you're doing and uh, work that I enjoy certainly so thank you uh, thank you for that sir
1: well thank you very much Carson
0: okay yeah well he uh has been Bradley Woodrum I am and will continue to be Carson stoolie and this has been another white hot edition
1: of Fangraph's audio. Is
0: that racist?